0: Temp check. Time minimum ten dollars per order excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply.
1: What say you, Richard L. Murdoch?
2: Are you guilty or not guilty of the felonies wherein you stand and die Not guilty. How shall you be tried? By God and my country. The
1: exact time when Paul and Maggie Murdoch were murdered.
3: I'm not here to work with them. Okay. No to have this not fall in the law This case is unique,
4: unprecedented
3: in South Carolina history. It has to start with an examination of his body and an independent determination of the true cause of death, which we don't accept to be vehicular manslaughter.
2: What we're going to do is start over. We're going to hire experts who are going to come into this case with a fresh set of eyes, with an open mind, without any preconceived conclusions, being objective, and wherever the facts go, that's where the investigation will go.
5: Welcome to Unsolved South Carolina, the Murdochs. Murders, money, and mystery. We're here with our weekly roundup and podcast on the latest work we're doing on this case. And what you just heard was Eric Bland, Ronnie Richter, the new team representing uh, Sandy Smith to help find answers about the death of her son Stephen Smith back in 2015. I want to introduce our panel that we have today. It looks a little different. We have of course our exclusive legal analyst Charlie Condon, South Carolina's former Attorney General, which we're thrilled that you could join us today. We're doing it my in a pleasure. little different hour today for the live stream. We have Tara Jabor, who is my partner <laughs> uh, I have to say in true crime. Um, basically Tara and I lived together for the entire six weeks of the trial. We have covered this story, though, for almost two years together. And what she brings to the table today is so important. Her uh, conversations that she's had, and I'm going to share that with you in a minute, and this, of course, is Trooper Bob. Trooper Bob is with us here at, at ABC News 4, and he has this extraordinary wealth of information Um, as a a former South Carolina Highway Patrol trooper. And so we've asked Trooper Bob to join us today to give us a little bit of insight into a pretty complicated situation. Uh, The reason um, we're doing this podcast today, we're going to be talking about the interview that Tara and I conducted with former trooper Tommy Moore and the mother of Stephen Smith, a young man who... Uh, died and under mysterious circumstances back in July of 2015 and it is still very mysterious to everybody Uh, and the investigation into his death was actually reopened um, in the last couple of years or literally right after uh, information that SLED found out during the investigation into the, the Murdoch murders and that's why Stephen Smith's death is now front and center with what's going on with the investigations. Um, we got to know, right, Tara? Yeah. So you might wanna explain how you know Sandy Smith and sure. how this actually happened. So Sandy, of course, is Steven's mom.
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, I started working at ABC News for in April of 2021, I remember It was June of 2021, I was working one night and we got an email from SLED that the investigation into Stephen Smith's death was reopened. And I remember talking to one of our anchors that night and I said, Smith, I feel like I have the phone number for his mother, I had asked someone for it. So I called Sandy that night. And she told me that SLED came to her house and said that they are reopening the investigation into her son's death. And after that, this is back in June of 2021, went to Beaufort and I interviewed Sandy and I also interviewed Stephen's twin sister Stephanie and uh, their cousin Connie. And we just talked about who Stephen was, why this, why they think it's gone on Saul for so long. Um, and that's kind of what started. That was the first time I met them. That's how our relationship began.
5: Well, and then I kind of dovetailed with that, with the podcast, when we started the podcast a a few months later, um, I had the opportunity to sit down with Tara and do a deep dive into all the case audio files, all the original investigation into Stephen Smith's, uh, death and, uh, did two podcast episodes, which you can find in this, in our podcast, Unsolved South Carolina, the Murdochs, that is actually, Something that you can, that's archived and you can hear it anytime you want and could give you a really good background on the Stephen Smith case. And then, of course, in a remarkable twist of fate, uh, Trooper Thomas Moore uh, hit the radar with the indictments of uh, uh, alleged financial crimes involving Alec Murdoch. And unbeknownst to me at the time, Tommy Moore was also the lead trooper, for all intents and purposes, on the Stephen Smith case, oh. because we live in South Carolina, and these are small counties. And he travels because he's a highway patrol trooper. So it's not, an. It, in oh. some ways, as, as crazy as it sounds to me, that these two people with very different links to this whole mm-hmm. saga yeah. come yeah. together. Yeah. Um, I want to, uh, I mean, just, I want to also say, you know, having Trooper Bob here, I mean, we're gonna be hitting you up for some information sure. on this for sure. I mean, how many wrecks have you looked at? How many accidents have you investigated as a trooper over your time with the Highway Patrol? Well,
2: I've done over 3,000 myself in my 25 years on the Highway Patrol, not to mention how many hundreds, if not other thousands so I've showed up to uh, at other troopers looking over the scene or as I was a PI over the last 12 years going through the scenes and talking about it. But one thing I wanted to mention is when you say Tommy Moore trooper, he was actually a lieutenant. So um, that's how he retired. So you, if you're looking at somebody at a, at a collision scene, you're looking at two decades of experience right there. So 20 years of working all types of wrecks, whether it's direct fatalities, um, overturned vehicles, ejections, around about um, uh, uh, thousands of fatalities at that point. And the other troopers that are at the scene too, one of them was um, Duncan. Was on, He was yeah. on the mate team. So you're looking at, he was my classmate. So he, so that's another 20 years of experience. So you're looking at altogether over 50 years of accident investigation experience at the scene. So it's not just somebody just showed up and trying to piece this thing together. This is years of experience mm-hmm. if you combine all the. You know. Wow,
3: wow. Yeah, maybe you could explain the mate team.
2: The mate team is a reconstruction team. So you have a trooper that shows up initially that gets the call from dispatch, goes there. Um, and then the mate team, the, the mate team is not, a team that rides around and waits for a wreck they're you know they they work different regions around the state there's different Mm -hmm. team members so um, there has to be some prerequisites that are met before that team is called out Uh, for example it has to be a high profile collision or it has to be um, a collision involving multiple fatalities which this one wasn't it wasn't a high profile was it multiple fatalities then there has to be one that um For example, the third one, a troop captain can request the mate team for a collision. Mm -hmm. And in this case, from what I was reading, that's what happened. Tommy went to uh, his uh, superiors and 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 went to the troop captain, troop captain requested the mate team to come out. So their reconstruction team, um, they do a lot more in-depth analysis than a road trooper would. So downloading data from a vehicle, for example, they can do that. They can do the in-depth finding out how they have. Really? a plethora uh-huh. of um what uh, was a mate report done on this on this do we have the mate well, we're going yeah, yeah, we're yeah gonna, we
5: have it we're gonna um share that with you for sure in, in, and also that is a very good point this case the work that tommy moore did on this case and his and and the mate team did on this case was very well documented in my opinion i mean look i haven't looked at a million of these case investigation mm-hmm. files but what tara and i went through was just reams of information and they we had FOIA'd this information which we know we had uh, put a freedom of, of information request in so we were able to, to gather all this information but it is um, a lot of case audio files the original interviews we've gone through this information so to come full circle where we are today and I'll just start off the Eric bland and um, and the Ronnie Richter they're they are having another look at this. But but let's start from where Sandy, we just want to give you a little background. Let's play clip number one with Sandy Smith um, when she's explaining in this interview that we've just conducted um, a little bit of background on, on this case, what happened to our son.
1: The same day it happened, I was already out there walking the roads and walking through the fields, trespassing on a lot of people's property, just looking, went through cornfields and I walked that three miles from where his car was to where the body was, and I didn't find anything. But I was still looking. When I was on my way to work to Blackville, and um, I heard on the Big Dog Radio that somebody had threw a body out on Joe Miley in Sandy Run. Well, the kids lived on Joe Miley, so I called. Joel's house and Stephanie answered. I said, Are you okay? Because I heard there was a body found um, down the road on Sandy Run. And she said, Yeah, we were trying to go that way, but they made us turn around. I was taking daddy to work. She said, did, Mama, did Stephen spend a night with you last night? And I said, No. So, well, he didn't come home last night. Hmm. So then I knew. I was. I called my friend, um, Charles Peoples. He was on the, God rest his soul, on the deputy sheriff's office. And I said, um, he answered, and I said, please tell me that's not my son you're looking at. And then he's like, oh, Stephen should be in school. And what kind of car does he drive? I'm going to put out an APB. And he said, uh, I'll call you back. And I was like, Psst. he was beating around the bush. So then that's when I actually knew it was
5: Um, and just to let you guys know we're gonna be playing longer clips because that was something that we certainly heard from these in-depth interviews we did that folks wanted to hear more of our interviews and and uh this is just another opportunity for us to play that for you but uh when you heard that Tara you've heard this story before from Sandy what did you what came through your mind
0: I mean, it just breaks my heart, right? Steven was a young boy found dead in the middle of the road in July of 2015. His mom and sister are like, where's Steven? He didn't come home last night. Where could he be? Um, and the next thing you know, you know, they find out that Sandy's son, Stephanie's twin brother, is dead. Um, I can't imagine that heartbreak. I, I don't. I don't wanna imagine what that feels like. Um, and it, it, every time I hear it, it just reminds me of how, like what a tragedy, right? Steven was such a young boy. He was loved by his family. Um, and this is what happened.
5: I know, so that's a little bit of the background um, about what happened the day of. Um, nobody really knew what had happened. They had to, had to coordinate off, right? Trooper Bob, they would have had to like basically block off the road. Even I mean, really, Stephanie had no idea that her brother was the one that had been killed.
2: Well, they initially showed up to a scene in any collision, you're going to work from the wreck scene backwards. So you're gonna look work from the scene where the body was found and work back to see if there's any evidence along the way. And from what I was reading, you know, the vehicles a couple miles away. So that scene pretty much stretched from that, from where they found the body to the vehicle.
5: And you know, honestly, Charlie, like to be one's own advocate on these sort of things. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, Sandy, and you'll hear throughout these these sound bites her extraordinary strength and mm-hmm. and persistence at trying to figure out what mm-hmm. happened on that early morning on July in July. What happened to her son? Um, it does. You do have to be your own advocate.
3: Well, it shouldn't be that way, and I'm assuming because of the unique circumstances here. I don't know who was called initially, but I'm assuming patrol was called. I'm assuming the sheriff's office was called. Yes. Coroner. Yes. And um, he did, in fact, send it or she—I don't whether—I don't know the gender—to—to to for for an autopsy, forensic autopsy. So so that was done. Do you know if there were follow up interviews done with where he had been earlier that day?
5: Well, there sure were. Um, there were enormous amount of case audio files. And, and when, and well, that takes us straight to, to Trooper Tommy Moore. Um, we can play this second clip, Max. Mm. And you know what? I have to say, I didn't introduce the, who's behind the scenes <laughs> yeah, today. I'm wow. sorry. Max Harrison, our chief photographer at uh, CIV, who's always running the boards here on our production. Mm. And I'm so grateful. And of course, executive producer Drew Tripp is not in this panel today, but that doesn't mean he can't hear every single thing yes, we're doing, and yes. he's standing right behind the scenes it. making sure we don't we don't mess anything yeah. up. Yeah. So he's right there, yeah. too. But yeah. Max, if you could play uh, clip number two, that would be fantastic.
6: Once I got there, um, the coroner's office, sheriff's department, we're already there, and before I could get out the car good, uh, the corner said, no, no, that's not a wreck, it's a murder. Um but in my experience, you don't ever take anybody's word for stuff. You you look. So basically myself and trooper Rao walked and walked the roads, looking for anything. Um the road basically looked like it'd been blown off with a driveway blower. I mean, there was no debris, nothing. Um, Stephen, I don't remember how his shoes were actually laced on, but they were very loose. And he had them on, which is not possible.
1: Yeah, he wore his shoestrings in the shoe. Mm -hmm. He didn't tie them. He took them in his shoe.
6: Any any type of force like that or an accident, you're going to lose your shoes. I don't care how tight you got them You're gonna lose clothing. You're gonna lose something. Um, they showed me the injury, and uh, they said it was a shooting. Um, of course, we still walked scene to make sure it was. We thought it was legitimate. Um, we didn't see anything, so we left scene, and um, I guess about an hour later. I uh, got a call to come back to the scene. And when we did, they said, This is a hit and run. I said, No, it's not. And they said, Well, he was in the road, so that's how the coroner drew. And I said, And I looked at the coroner, I said, that ain't what you said when I first got here, you said it was a murder. And uh, he started backtracking off the story. And I could see where it was going. So obviously I called my captain and told him what was going on. I said, look, this is, this is a case where it's clearly not a hit and run, in my opinion. We need to make team to come out here, um, because they're our experts and let them, let them look at it, refresh set of eyes. I said, because I'm, I'm here. We've got local troopers here. There's no way this is, a, is a automobile accident. And. So the make team was called, and it, might have, it took them a while to get there. But basically, Sled Sled came, and then Sled said, um, well, this is, this is not going to be a murder, and they left. So the police of course, is going off what the corner says, and they've basically done this. So it's y'all's case, and I talked with the captain about it. And I said, "Listen, this is not this is not a hit and run, and I don't know what to do here. They won't take responsibility." And he said, "Well, then we're going to have to." <clears throat> so that's what we did. Make team arrive on the scene See? with that look on their face, scratching their head, like no, this is not a car wreck. I said, I'm aware of that." But I need a second opinion because everybody has basically washed their hands and said, well, we can't investigate this.
4: Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. to keep you gripped new members can try audible free for 30 days visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500 500 that's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500 500
5: that was um once again trooper tommy moore wow. former lieutenant uh tommy moore and talking and sandy's right there sandy was in this interview the whole time you might not see her in the clip right mm-hmm. there because we had it kind of close on Tommy, mm-hmm. but she's listening to all this. This is not obviously new information. This is a case that's been uh, looked at by everyone um, across uh, the journalists across the, the world at this point have had a chance to look at the Stephen Smith thing as well. Um, when you hear that, uh, that that it was, there's so much confusion right at the scene of this. They've got, I mean...
2: Just listening to Tommy in his voice, I can tell his frustration. Mm-hmm. Not only do you have someone with 20 years of experience, you have the mate team. These, I mean, these, this is what, when I was a drooper, this is what we did, accident investigation. That was like 90% of our job. So you go to these scenes. A lot of times people tell you, well, I ran off the road, I, you know, I hit a deer. Well, you're going to see some sort of evidence. I don't care what kind of a collision it is, something. Especially with the pedestrian fatalities that he was talking about. Yeah, people get knocked out of their shoes, especially that much force to kill somebody. You know, he wasn't laying parallel with the roadway three feet off the road to get hit in the head. He he would have had injuries to his legs, maybe some compound fractures where the bones are sticking out. There would have been some sort of injury, What he he flew into a windshield or over the vehicle, not just a head injury from something like that.
0: And Bob, I want to ask you this, because this is something that Tommy Moore told us. He said, you know, we're not homicide investigators. He said, we don't investigate homicides. But he said they felt like nobody else would take this case, so they had to do it. What's your input on that?
2: Well, two things I want to say real quick. Um, one of them is we're talking about still more evidence. You would have saw a headlight from a vehicle, a part of a grill, maybe a piece of a fog lamp, something, a piece of molding something to corroborate that he was hit by a vehicle and it was nothing just like tommy said it looked like the street was well and
5: sandy said it in the clip prior she said i walked that i've walked this area i walked it and looked at every single thing this was a road they knew this is their this is their backyard you know it'd be like you walking down a street that you've known your whole life
2: a lot of times you can find something identifiable where you can take to a dealership and say what kind of vehicle is this they can give you the making year that's where you see the flyers that come out normally during a hit and run um, that we're, we're looking for the vehicle and then we go to take that model of vehicle and we go to dmv and say how many of those vehicles live in this area so the, but we don't we didn't see that here
5: well and and also um i don't think we have this in the clip but they they were talking about how uh tommy moore told us they literally were we they sent um, troopers back out there to go count the tractor trailers going by right. in case it was a mirror that had hit um, Stephen if he had gotten oh. clipped basically by the mirror of a tractor trailer. They weren't counting the, the tractor trailers. They were looking at the cars that were traveling down that road.
2: Well, you Pretty much you have everyone that's involved in accident investigation looking at each other especially the team so highly qualified as the main team. And to answer your question, the patrol's not gonna just leave the clipboard in there and walk off. If they were called to a wreck scene, just like any time a trooper makes contact with a person, whether you're stopped for a violation, you're gonna get either a warning or a ticket. You're gonna have some sort of paperwork. So when they showed up to a wreck, they're gonna document up until a certain point and say, look, this is what we did for to cover ourselves. This is what we did in our part of the investigation. It depends on what time of the night it happened. They might wait a day or two to see what evolves. So they'll have their stuff in order.
0: And Charlie, I don't know if you've heard this story before, but um, if you have, you know, just what do you think of what you just heard? No,
3: I, I haven't heard the details. It's very disturbing, isn't it? Because there's been a call by sheriff's office and a SLED official that it's not a potential murder and they left it with the may team, the multidisciplinary Accident Investigation Team, as I recall, that's what it stands for. And so, and you're right, not to denigrate them whatsoever, they do a terrific job in my experience, but they're investigating, in effect, car accidents or truck accidents. Mm -hmm. And so, was there a particular trooper in charge at this point of the investigation?
2: Well, Tommy The Moore. lieutenant, yeah. Tommy basically, was, well, he, he, was. he would be the area yeah. supervisor, so, so he, he was would, in charge. Right, uh, he would yeah. oversee the, the yeah. collision scene. Yeah,
3: and so do we know who made the call from State Law Enforcement Division or the Sheriff's Office that it's a no go on their end? Do we know who actually made that call? No, but Those we calls? do know
5: that he tried multiple times to to go back to Sled, go back to the um, Sheriff's Office, asking sure, for their yeah. input, asking for this sort of yeah. criminal investigation yeah, could, because. You guys don't do criminal investigations, right? Well, would be completely different right?
3: because you would then, you would then, if you had it in that category, you would then find out where he'd been, who had a motivation to, to hurt him.
5: Well, that's where this story takes a turn, Okay, to I want sure. to this no, no, because no. It's well, unfortunate. Just... I feel
3: sorry for the mother here because you are have to suffer through this, uh, these missteps. That's a kind word.
5: Yeah, it is, and it's a long time coming. I mean, the eight years, eight years. <laughs> this
0: this July will be eight years.
2: If you look at a rec report, there's two mm-hmm. sides to it. So as a trooper goes along in the investigation, he's mm. checking off boxes, and I can just hear mm. his frustration. Like right. none yeah. of these boxes are no, checking. it does, doesn't. does it. a round yeah. ball does it not fit into a square yeah. hole. So yeah. you're getting a whole team that says, "Look, this is not." Yeah,
3: to me it sounds like a body dump just from the, that's just that's the what right it sounds.
2: Just- and if it's if it's criminal like that, mm-hmm. then you need to have another mm-hmm. law enforcement, whether it's the county or sled, to come in there yeah, and, and right. take over. And that's
5: incredibly intuitive of you, Charlie, for like get, coming into this right now. That is exactly, I think, one of the theories out there. Go ahead.
2: Mm -hmm. or at least have somebody from the other agencies there Mm -hmm. doing their own independent investigation Mm -hmm. outside the patrols. Mm
5: -hmm. Right? Yeah, because what's the harm, right? What's the harm of having more people looking at an investigation? So that that raises a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's hear what they did. Um, Let's, let's hear what happens next. Uh, uh, They send, they send his body for an autopsy Mm -hmm. um, in Charleston. Uh, and here is what uh, Tommy Moore has to say about that experience with the pathologist. Basically, after I
6: saw, I saw this first Sergeant Moore with the Highway Patrol. Um, I'm at the scene um, being told this is a hit and run. We were here earlier. The injuries are not consistent with a hit and run. There's, there's nothing here to indicate that. There's no debris. There's no paint transfer. There's nothing. Can you tell me medically why you're ruling this a hit and run? Because he was in the road. And I said, "Ma'am, I, that's that's not a medical reason." I said, "That would be like I, if he was in the water, would you rule really it a drowning?" And that's when she said, "Look, it's not my job to do your job." I said, "I'm not asking you to do my job. I'm asking you to do yours." Um, I said, you're presenting no evidence to me as a doctor saying this injury itself is from a car. Um, And I need to know that because unless you've seen something I have not seen, this is not a hit and run. And her response was, well, he was found in the roadway and I'm ruling a hit and run. And there were a few not nice words traded between each other because I thought it was a lazy uh, lazy on her part I don't I think it's if anything maybe unknown or not make a ruling at this time uh, but to say it's a hit and run simply because he was lying in the roadway with no medical You know, no medical injury to tell me this is why I'm really hit and run to me was just flat out lazy, and that's what I told her, and that's kind of what got things heated. So
0: that was Tommy Moore um, back in, it was either 2015 or 2016. He had called the pathologist who did the autopsy on Stephen's body. It was a heated exchange between Mm -hmm. Tommy and the pathologist because he felt like the autopsy was not correct, and mm-hmm. he wanted to talk to the pathologist mm-hmm. about that. Um, Good
2: for him. Well, he wanted to know why. He was asking that pathologist, mm-hmm. tell me what injuries are consistent with a vehicle wreck. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what he was saying. Tell me mm-hmm. why, other than the answer was he was in the roadway.
3: Right. Wow. Was, what, how What caused his Was it trauma to his head, or what actually caused his death?
0: Yeah, me? he had significant trauma to his head.
3: And was it? blunt force trauma
0: they say it was blunt force trauma uh-huh. yes one
3: side in particular
0: um I, it was yeah it was the the front of his head mm-hmm. um, i know sandy told us in the interview one thing that she noticed was Sandy said that she feels like Stephen's body was dumped in the road. Mm -hmm. And she said that she feels that way because of the blood. She said there was blood around Stephen's head, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't blood anywhere else. So she feels like if he was beaten up and killed Mm -hmm. and that happened in the road, there would have been blood all over the road. But as you heard Tommy Moore say, the road seemed like it was cleaned off with, you know, it was a clean road.
3: Yeah, You you would think his body would be differently placed if he was hit by a tractor trailer mirror right he'd be on the side of the road wouldn't he and on that part of the road and knock that way well, depending on where he was road.
2: depending on where he was standing also just think if you were walking right now and you fell mm-hmm. your hands would get scuff marks just from how fast you're walking what two three miles an hour but if a vehicle hits you you're gonna get bounced back he could he would have had marks Good on his arms True. road rash mm-hmm. yeah hands even if he was knocked unconscious he would have wow. some sort of yeah
0: Bob have you know is that a is that a common thing where someone from highway patrol could call a pathologist and question them on their work
2: well he's asking i mean he's he's over in charge of the, his investigation patrols mm-hmm. part and if he has to put a report together it's a, mm-hmm. if it's a fa- fatal report actually it takes about two weeks to do mm-hmm. he's just documenting everything from a mm-hmm. to z he wants to make sure this is not a hit and run mm-hmm. and that's one of the questions is tell me why mm-hmm.
3: wow so unfortunate, it but you know one thing I would say, and this may be a little early for this, but after this was determined to be hit and run, that's still a really serious crime, right? It's a, I think it's a twenty five year felony resulting in death. Sure. With well, his efforts, and they, like, they left
2: the scene too. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. was
3: there efforts of like put a reward out or start investigating who, who done it, that, that sort of thing? Or there
0: was, really? there was. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we. You know, like Ann mentioned, we put in a FOIA request for mm-hmm. the and all the work on this case that Mate did. It's over 100 mm-hmm. pages. It's very thorough. It they is. did have flyers out right. um, seeking a reward for information about Stephen's death. I
3: see. No, no tips.
0: And in they ways. had tips, but nothing came to. I see. The case was closed.
3: And did they talk to the people he was with immediately before he died, or the day of, or yes. the night of? Yes. And they all said he just left, or what, what was her?
5: Well, there was a lot of uh, back and forth. Uh, mm-hmm. He was you know, a young man who kept in touch with his friends about mm-hmm. what he was doing and where he was going. And, and his cell phone? Exactly, exactly. Wow. So he was he was absolutely staying in touch with his his sister, his mm-hmm. twin sister. He mm-hmm. had had conversations with her right. within that uh, yeah. probably, I would say, 12-hour period, yeah. maybe even a little yeah. less. Did he have
3: a cell phone on him when he was dead?
5: Um, the too much Murdoch
3: here, but right? Did we look at that? Did they look at like where he had been, they the whole, did the whole digital evidence thing.
0: They did, they did unlock mm. Stephen's phone. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not sure what happened with that, but the case was closed.
3: Wow, well, that might bear some fruit right now since we know so much from the Murdoch case, what can be done with a lot of effort,
0: and what they can go back. You
5: know what? That's so interesting. You said that because mm. that just rang a bell when you said that. Um, that is something that I think that these this new sort of look mm-hmm. what we heard at the very top of the podcast mm-hmm. about eric bland and ronnie richter coming mm-hmm. in that there are forensics on technology that need to be done so mm-hmm. I, that always as we found right. has bear more a lot of fruit
3: mm-hmm. to also remember on.
2: this was a couple of years ago so i don't know what technology we had on the phone then you know correct so yeah it's eight we, years it's a long time ago. it's eight years but we could still look into who knows
3: yeah there could be some gps stuff on there or who he talked to and Poor mother, I really feel sorry for that family uh, because um, it does look like there were some serious missteps from the beginning, mm-hmm. and this and this hasn't been properly investigated.
5: Well, here's Sandy. Um, she is she kind of fills in those mm-hmm. uh, that thought mm-hmm. as well. Um, let's hear what she has to say about her frustration where things mm-hmm. landed with her a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. First, we were told it was it was a gunshot. And then they come back and said that um, he was hit, uh, beat up. He was really beaten and then laid in the road. And then it come out that he was hit by a car.
0: And would you think when they said he was hit by a car?
1: That's a, That did not happen. Stephen did not walk in the road. No.
0: And I guess now hearing, you know, how you also said that did not happen. What is it like for you kind of to, you know, I know you saw it in the documents, but to hear it. Oh, to
1: hear it, it's, yeah. That gives me a little peace, you know, hearing somebody actually say it and agree that it's not a hit and run. I was discouraged about the hit and run thing, but I was glad that somebody was at least, I mean, because they did interviews, I mean, they did work. And, um, but then, you know, they had nowhere else to go. And then all of a sudden, you know, I don't hear from Maine anymore and the case is closed, you know, that's like closed, but, and so that's when I started writing, um, everybody, governor, um, department of justice, and just sent letters everywhere.
5: So that was Sandy, and you know, I th- I think she, in this interview, as we kind of come around the bend of Sled reopening the investigation um, after information they say they found out during Maggie and Paul's investigation. Into their deaths, mm. into their murders, mm. and that is how wow. this happened. Any we, idea what that is? No. And <laughs> yeah. that is that is absolutely mm-hmm. the big question out mm-hmm. there. Uh, Sled is extremely tight-lipped to the point where uh, the Murdoch name has been, you know, uh, brought up in various forms. Not just because it was found out during the Maggie and Paul's investigation, but um, because of uh, the interviews that were done by mate and we can hear them Mm -hmm. and they talk about bringing up the name nobody within the Murdoch family has ever been uh, charged with any crime related to the death of Stephen Smith and Buster even came out yesterday and said I had absolutely nothing to do with this in his own statement just yesterday
3: you you would know about this are you terrible I had one question did I read somewhere where where Randy Murdoch the attorney Contacted Sandy Smith. Am I correct about that?
5: That is that is a big bone of contention right now, isn't it, uh-huh. Tara? I mean, we talked to Sandy about this in the interview and asked her uh, about that, and she she shared with us that, but it's a he said she said right now, right? Oh, he
3: Tara?
0: denies it. Yeah. Well, what she told us was that her husband went to the sheriff's office the mm-hmm. day of the murders um, to identify Stephen's body. Wow. She says that Randy Murdoch called her husband. And then she said that, Sandy told us this, Sandy said that, uh, you know, she had some conversations with Randy and so did Sandy's husband. And she says that now they're being called a liar.
5: Hmm. Well, and that so it's a little bit of a he said, she said of what we remember and who talked to who when and that sort of thing. And um, one thing that I brought up in the podcast way back when, when we first looked at this case, before we had this conviction or murder, with before we went through the whole trial, of course. Um, but when we were, we were looking at all of that, uh, one thing I really thought about was the, the strength of the PMPED office as personal injury lawyers. And um, that could have, in my mind, possibly explained why Randy, if he did reach out to him, would have done that. Because wouldn't he have had an interest as a lawyer?
3: Yeah, some rules about that. I'd have to review them. But just calling someone of the blue like that, I, unless there's some relationship. Did he know them beforehand?
0: I think they might have. We don't know for sure, but I think they might have known each other I beforehand.
2: See. I see. So that towns. would explain it. Small towns.
3: Really yeah. small towns. That would explain it. <laughs> kind of. But he says he didn't, though, right? Anyway.
5: Well, that's what that's what Sandy was telling us. Um, in the interview. So we're mm-hmm. still, you mm-hmm. know, because obviously, to it is still um, there's those some of those details are still getting sorted out. And I think that's why her lawyers are so interested in opening up their own level of an investigation mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. well. And um,
0: actually exhuming the body of Steven Smith. Mm-hmm. And I want to get back to the sound that we heard from Sandy. She knew from the beginning, she said that Steven was not hit by a car. She always said, why would my son be walking on a country road so late at night by himself and get hit by a car? She said when she heard that, she knew that is not how her son died. But we know that mm-hmm. that is how it was ruled. And mm-hmm. that is why now she says she has always wanted to exhume yes, Steven's yes. body.
3: Is, is the toxicology report public?
0: on him? I don't know.
5: I feel like we did see some paperwork about that, but we can circle back and look Mm -hmm, at that. mm -hmm. Um, I think that he was coming home late. Uh, There was enough documentation to show that he had run out of gas. um, He, in
3: fact, did run out.
5: And that the gas tank, what had happened Mm -hmm. was the gas cap was actually laying open, which is sort of that universal... I signal see. right that there's something wrong with your car. Yeah, that you've run out of gas or whatever. Right. So that's how he had left his I little see. yellow car on the side But they verified of the road. that it was
3: in fact out of gas.
0: Um, yes. Yes, they did. Okay. Yeah. And I want to say Stephen's body was found. I, th- I believe it was three miles from where his car was. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mate reported that. And.
3: Magnific- uh, did, was he walking in the closest to the closest gas station, so to speak that di- proper direction? I no, don't he think
0: was wa- so walking home from what He's we walking understand
5: in d-
2: Walking in the direction of his house
5: that's yes. that's what we understood was that he was walking in the direction of his house mm-hmm. um, and just never made it there. Right. And when you and I've actually driven that and walked that myself, mm-hmm. not all of it, but mm-hmm. I've walked a great deal of it mm-hmm. to just kind of see what it looks like around there, mm-hmm. and just to give you an idea of the area, it's really, um, it's a very rural area. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about Sandy Run Road and jo- and Joe Miley, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're they're just two extremely country rural road. If we had Drew trip on here right now, he handsy looking at me smiling. And- <laughs> nodding his head it, they're just areas where the houses are really sparse
2: right um and and pine trees
5: lots of pine trees
2: dark. Yeah. and dark And
5: really dark, dark this happened this whole accident happened very very late at mm-hmm. night is there a shoulder to morning.
3: the road is there a shoulder to the road there no shoulder or?
5: i do not remember a
3: shoulder small average country road uh,
2: i see so walking yeah. in the road would make some sense just to move quickly oh Yeah, I wanted to add on that, sir, a lot of times in the rural areas, especially not that you see people walking in the roadway, Mm -hmm. close to the side, because a lot of them have fire ants in the grass, or they can't tell if there's a snake in there, and it's so dark, you're pretty much walking by moonlight, so that's not uncommon to see.
1: At the Coca-Cola Company, Keurig Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo, some of our bottles can be remade in a whole new way, using 100% recycled plastic. New bottles, using no new plastic, except the caps and labels. Learn more at madetoberemade.org. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think we should uh, go to this next soundbite that we have. Yeah, let's,
5: uh, Tommy Moore talks about what he thinks is going on. Pretty much kind of lays it on the line a little bit. I like
3: to hear this, yeah.
6: I definitely think he was, he was murdered. Um, There's two things that come to my mind. Either he was murdered there or he was murdered elsewhere and dropped there simply because of the lack of road rash, the lack of other injuries. His, you know, I, I don't remember the actual shoes he was wearing, but they were the kind the of kids wear that are loose so they can flop them on and off. You don't have your shoes on if you've been hit by a car. And It wasn't just that, he didn't have any kind of injury that would lead you to believe it's a car, you know from an injury standpoint, he had very little road rash. And... Yes. If you're hit by a car and you're in a roadway, you're going to have severe road rash. Um, This appeared as though he was either fell back that way or, or, or dropped from a car, but literally the road rash was so minor, I was like, there's no way. And we looked at the head injury and then there was mention of a bat. I don't, I don't know. Um, and then it was, you know, we were told uh, it possibly could have been a tractor trailer mirror that did it. Mm-hmm. And because of the way he would have having, had to have been standing in the road, which would have been very awkward, for him to be hit by a mirror. I was like, there's no way. This is what happened. And we're all out there really frustrated because we we, we even went to the sheriff's department and, and line by line by line explained to them why this was not a hit and run and tried to hand them the file and they would physically not take it in their hand. And so it doesn't matter what agency it is. Um, if we go to the scene and those accusations are made that it's involved in a vehicle, as much as I can disagree and and stomp my foot and say there ain't no way in hell this happened this way, um, that's not something we walk away from.
5: Yeah, I mean, and and it's so interesting, like for someone of his stature within the highway patrol to go to uh, the sheriff's department um, and he went to 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 several agencies. He went to his own agency. I think in our story last night, we talked about how he had gone to the upper ups, the higher ups in the Mm -hmm. highway patrol and said, can you please go back to SLED? Can you please ask them to investigate this? Mm -hmm. And then he goes to the sheriff's department. He does the same thing. Please investigate this because you're the ones that can do the criminal investigation for that not to happen even with someone with thousands of accidents under their belt. Why, why, why is this? Well, that's happening.
2: That, well, first of all, that's a question for the sheriff. If he went to the county, I mean, like, that, this incident happened in the county. It, if mm-hmm. the patrols telling you it's not, then they need to have somebody look into it. I mean, mm-hmm. not just—I've never heard of anyone just saying I'm not doing—I'm not doing my job. Mm-hmm. At least mm-hmm. send an investigator and look. And if it pans to nothing, then so be it. But just to say you're flat out not going to look at mm-hmm. it—that's—that's. That's, that's not what the public expects you to do. I agree, agree.
3: But, you know, it's not too late. There's no statute of limitations here in South Carolina for these crimes. And he's, the, God, God bless the mother, I mean, uh, her persistence is just uh, inspiring, isn't it? But uh, got very good attorneys there, Ronnie Richter and Eric Bland. And so it's not too late. Maybe one thing they might want to consider at this point, too, is getting a substantial reward fund going. Because typically in these cases, particularly the older ones, it, somebody talks to somebody. And I think it's human nature. You just can't, I guess, psychiatry is based upon this. You have to talk about things. you know. I bet somebody's talked about this at some point. So if you put some money out there leading to the uh, arrest and or conviction of somebody, I wonder if that couldn't really help move things along.
2: A good thing was you said uh, that I do want to commend Sled for opening it and... and looking into it. Now I I hope and I can just imagine how this is going to run. They're going to go back just like the patrol works from the crash scene backwards, they're going to go back and hopefully interview the people that he was Mm -hmm. with that night. And talk to them individually. I don't I've never heard of that in this story that anybody's been talked to.
5: Well, so there were multiple in- interviews done with um, folks that knew uh, Stephen that were mm-hmm. classmates, I former see. classmates. So they no. had gone through back in 2015. It seems like so long and ago. They, and ago. they
3: talked to people he was with immediately because he was at somebody's home, correct?
5: No, he was coming back from school. Um, from, school from what I understand, that late at night. Um, he, no, he had been out, um, but he the body was discovered, right? So I see. that but, body but the, was discovered in the middle of the night. Right. He was coming in late from class. He had had classes, I think that's correct, in. Oh, work. so we think
3: about the buddy, old Ritter so, Mortis, right? Or, or Riggers we had the dispute oh, on the okay. court. I wonder when the, the time of death, do they have a time of death on on him?
0: I don't know. I don't yeah. know if they have a time of death.
3: I, I, I would think though the Attorney General's office is highly motivated as well since Sledge also involved and they know so much about this case. Let's hope there's the appropriate um, energy and work done on this right. case now because it is not too late. Put no, a, and put I a think together.
5: the sled says they've made progress. I mean, right. from what we understand, we got a message from them yesterday about it. It's a message they've been sending out to a lot of people that have been asking, right. but that they've made progress in this case. Um, and so we are expecting some more answers. And I want to add, this is the first time that Sandy and Tommy have ever met each other, which you know, oh, wow. so when, yeah, so when they sat down for this oh, interview, wow.
3: good for you. This was you the and Tara first time put this together. Yeah. yeah. so wow. Tara was Sandy.
5: Tara was, had been working with Sandy on this case. Wow, What a moment. And Tommy had been working with us on, mm. and I have to say, because, because it's such a weird twist of fate, I had been talking to Tommy about the financial crimes, which of course you're going to hear more about um, wow. the alleged crimes with Alec Murdoch wow. and he was one of the indictments. And that's how his name first came up on my radar.
0: Yeah. And wow. you know, I, it was literally last week and, um, Ann was talking to Tommy, Tommy had said he would, had always really wanted to meet Sandy because of his involvement in the investigation. Mm-hmm. I called Sandy and she said, well, I've always wanted to meet Tommy. Wow. And so when they were able to come together, um, and hear what each other had to say. That's what the moment what you guys moment. are wow. hearing. Wow. Um, so I think, Max, we have one more soundbite. Yeah. we can go to that, it's a little back and forth between Sandy and Tommy.
1: I've read his report thoroughly, and I just want to thank you so much for, you know, doing your job. Actually, for the longest time,
6: I, I figured you probably disliked us because we didn't solve it. No. Um,
1: I have certain ones that I'm mad at, but...
6: You still carry that. I mean, I don't think about it every day. You still think about these things all the time. You know, what actually did occur? Uh, that's not the only case. I mean, there's a lot of cases I've been involved in over the years. <clears throat> and you feel horrible for the family. You have to put yourself in a situation and that all this time and all these years, there are no answers. What would I, how would I process that? And my process would have been anger. You know, I'd have been I'd have had a bullhorn screaming at anybody that would listen because um, it wasn't handled correctly from the beginning. And um, I'm glad it's slithery over. I hope they have information that will solve this case. I I really do. I hope they come out looking like heroes in this and, and they find the answers that we could not. But I feel like that should have been done on the day it occurred. It shouldn't have had to been reopened years later. Amen.
0: Yep. And so do you feel like, you know, that this, this is the piece that's going to, you know, maybe bring justice for Stephen?
1: It's a step in the right direction.
5: It's a step in the right direction. Nice At least it's, it is. and And it's exciting for her to be able to get some answers. I mean, it's obviously kept this mother up way too many nights. Um, And she just doesn't feel like this has been resolved. And I want to reiterate, like this story has so many layers. And we we delve deep into them. The reason we're not going deep into them right now is because there's so much new information. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the old case, we are talking about, I would say hours of case audio file interviews that Tara and I have already sat, sat through, sifted through, and they're in the Stephen Smith episodes of our podcast to explain in a documentary style what happened to Stephen, what we know about Stephen, and who they were talking to, because that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, The rumor mill of Hampton County is alive and well. I mean, and it's still going for all intents, right? It's still, well, the they, rumors are still flying. We'll put it that way.
2: Who they talked to and who maybe they didn't talk to.
5: Well, exactly. And who they weren't able to talk to possibly. Mm -hmm. Um, So perhaps now they can, they can clear the air at least on some of this. And look, it could have, we don't know how he died.
0: Right. And I think, you know, just to end it on this, Sandy said that last week she told me she's feeling really hopeful. She said everyone has been so supportive of her and her family, and she's happy that SLED reopened this investigation and she's feeling hopeful. So we'll see what happens next.
2: I can tell you being a former trooper, I know what goes into a a mate investigation, also an investigate officer's information. So you get all that. Remember, this is from what the May team says, this is not a hit and run. They still put 100 pages together. So they did their part. So now it's now time for somebody else to look at it. So I'm very happy that Sled did reopen the case.
5: And as far as the exhumation on Stephen Smith, um, they said they need to go to a judge. And I guess that's the last I, was I was a, bit,
2: I was a bit curious
3: about that from a legal standpoint because if in fact he's got a personal representative of his estate, which presumably could have been his his mom or his dad. It would be my understanding, they would give have full authority to allow the... I think that was done in the Gloria Satterfield case, as a matter of fact. They just simply went through the family representative, the legal one. So maybe a state hadn't been open, and this might be the, the faster, quicker way to, to accomplish this. But regardless, I'm glad they're making all efforts at this point to have a thorough investigation and to catch the... Uh, the killer.
5: Yeah, I or mean it run. is one yeah. of several investigations yeah. open with SLED. Yeah, yeah.
3: And <laughs> you know, again, a point I made earlier is whether it's a, you know a murder case or a hit and run. It's still really, really serious. So we need to find out who did this.
5: Yeah, and and just to close the case, I thought that was so touching. Just the with Sandy and Tommy, oh, you know, yes. because Sandy they gave each other a hug and at the end, and Tommy, you know, said, "I really hope you find the justice you deserve." Mm-hmm Mm for Stephen in this case, Mm -hmm. because he told us, you know, and he told Sandy, if this was my kid, I would not stop. And I totally get why Mm -hmm. you are going through this. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's been uh, extraordinary. Right. Did she have any thoughts
3: on why she felt like it hadn't been investigated as it should have been?
5: who is um, uh sandy well sandy just said as soon as it happened this is absolutely not a hit and run right right so as soon as she heard that and then she she realized that nobody was actually going the extra step I to see. make open up a criminal it was investigation. nothing she
3: thought intentional just sort of fell through the cracks type situation
5: you know she has had such a beautiful spirit about mm-hmm. this whole thing i mean i felt like mm-hmm. she had a very open mind to mm-hmm. what is the truth mm-hmm. like as opposed to necessarily having a super suspicious way of looking at it I felt like she yeah which was an incredibly I don't know if I could take the emotion out of it as well as she Mm -hmm. has maybe she's had more time to process it and Mm -hmm. think about it but Mm -hmm. you know just coming in coming in at it as a mom myself I think it's extraordinary that she has been able to you know, no. he's yeah. so
0: kind. Remarkable lady. Oh yeah. Sandy kind to everyone. So right? kind, so sweet. Mm-hmm. And you know, she, she kept saying it over and over again. And it's true. She said she just wants justice for her son, Stephen, and she will do, she will get that justice. And here we are. Yeah. Well, thank
5: you so much oh, for joining pleasure. us today. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have stories on our News 4 site, on abcnews4.com, we have podcasts that look at these cases. And as we move past possible, well, until the appeals filed, right? I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But as we move past sort of what we just went through with the six-week trial, we're able to look at some of these other investigations a little closer, but we have a lot more, um, a lot more interviews and interesting uh, topics to explore on this very complicated saga that we continue to look at. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to our team. Thank you, Max, for getting all this lined up. Um, Drew, thank you so much. Trooper Bob, loved having you to explain to us. We would not have had that insight without you. Tara, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, and Charlie, always, such a pleasure. Same here, my pleasure.
3: Look forward to it.
5: Thank you.